Recorded live. Well, folks. Mike Adams here. Sorry for the delay there. Um trying to arrange something here. Uh, both Chris Tireman from uh the the Chronicle Project that and uh, Mark Sargent have agreed to come on my show. Now he's got to figure out what day and what time to have a debate on the heliocentric model and the flat earth model. I think it will be a very richly rewarding conversation between the two gentlemen. Both gentlemen I respect as far as their one willingness to look outside the box and to challenge cherished, uh, I guess, norms, belief systems, that kind of thing. So it should be kind of cool. I think it should be really cool, actually. So hopefully that will happen. Um, so um, hopefully Mark will get back to me soon. Poor guy just had an appendix taken out. Jeez, almighty. So... Um, where this crud? Sorry, I'm going to get rid of some of this spam. Block a few. I've been harassed constantly with all this perverted stuff. So Orwellian in its nature. And, um, not the least bit interested in the nonsense. Like fake uh, audio chat at uh, fakecolleges.com is going on too for the New Year's open house. Of course, the false New Year's. And uh, we'll see what happens, huh? I don't know. I have no idea. As far as my medication goes with MS, I have not had it this week. It has not showed up. Mostly my own fault for not ordering time. And because of the holidays. Um, a pregnant woman suing Catholic hospital for troubling. Pregnant woman is suing Catholic Hospital for troubling reason, and she's not alone. Uh, with two kids and another baby on the way, Rebecca uh, Chamorro decided her family was complete. And after a deli- del- uh, delivery meeting with her family and doctor, she liked to have tubal ligation immediately following her. Her C-section at the end of January is scheduled to take place at Mercy Medical Center in Redding, uh, California. It's Northern California, a couple hours north of uh, Chico, where I used to live at one time. The rural Cal- uh, Catholic hospital, however, denied her request because the church doesn't approve of one getting the two bones died. 
in a lawsuit filed in the Camaro's behalf on Monday, the American Civil Liberties Union announced that it was suing Dignity Health and the Catholic Hospital Network to which Mercy belongs. This sounds awful like the beginning of uh, the Book of Jasper, doesn't it? And there are women and doing those sorts of things in order not to get pregnant and not to be uh, anyways. I guess no one has a right to her opinion, but I decisions at all. I don't know. Sounds an awful like the same thing that happened in the past. Anyways, back to the book. The Papal Magic and Occult Practice in the Catholic Church by Simon. I have no I don't know how long I uh, have to get I'm supposed to have my own personal quote unquote debate. I really don't think it'll be much of a debate. I think I'll just let uh, Chris Lucas say his piece. Uh, if he can convince me that he is correct, so be it. But I'm getting very much convinced that based on just practical evidence and common sense that the the folks of the Old Testament were operating under the lunar calendar and had nothing to do with the Julian calendar or the Gregorian calendar as far as keeping their Sabbath. Quite frankly, it makes more sense to me that you would keep this God's Sabbath based on his creations, not based on man-made creations. So lunar creation, or the lunar Sabbath makes more sense to me. People can debate all day long about theology and the reasoning and rationalization for why not. But one thing I'm confident at this point, um, and let's prove it otherwise wrong, the papacy, Rome, and no man has created the moon. Only God has. I think I'd operate on that one. The Black Mass. While the average person living in the Middle East or Europe could make use of charms, talismans, amulets, and the like, their creation was usually reserved for personal consider, uh, persons considered spiritually adept. Holy men and women who were believed to have some special connection with the gods, or God, either through their piety or through demonstrations of their supernatural abilities. This belief, as ancient as the earliest written records of civilization, continues to the present day in the phenomenon of such mystics as Pedro Pio in Italy, who stigmata, the bleeding from the wounds, identical to those believed to have been suffered by Christ on the cross, was an indication that he had supernatural abilities. Yeah, sure he did. To that praying to him or being touched by him would cause the cure of illness. Today, thousands still travel to the Lord's every month in the expectation of a miracle gratuitous cure at this shrine to the Virgin Mary. It is easy to see that these pilgrims are not making that journey to become spiritually enlightened, but to rid themselves of the burden of physical organic disease. Indeed, Jesus of the Gospels performed miracles of healing, 
of raising the dead and of casting off demons. All these and greater you shall do, he said to his disciples in John fourteen twelve. He also walked on water, calmed the seas, and fed the multitudes with a handful of loaves and fishes. Um, and in the end, according to the canonical scripture, he raised himself from the dead and ascended bodily to heaven, his resurrection. Obviously, this man doesn't necessarily believe this. Thus, the average Christian could not be forgiven if he or she expected similar wonders to be performed by parish priests. In order to understand the degree to which Catholic priests felt the pressure to accommodate these desires, one must realize that Christianity was not the native religion of Europe. It was a Middle Eastern import, a competitor to the cult of Mithra, which had been embraced by many Romans during the time of the emperor or the empire. As what was originally a Jewish cult, early Christianity inherited a legacy of Jewish occultism and mysticism, as well as practices and beliefs that were current among the Gnostics and other Middle Eastern sects and cults. In fact, until about the 10th century AD, Europe was a battleground for several different versions of Christianity, as well as native pagan cults that had dominated the region for millennia. The Celts, for example, notorious fighters, worshipped a variety of gods and goddesses. What we know of their religion and particularly of the Druid priesthood is subject to the mist of, mist of memory and with little written record of them that was not due to what we can find in Gaelic Wars of Caesar. Or later, the vicious propaganda of the church. The Nordic peoples had an extensive array of deities, from Odin to Thor to Freya, Free, Freya, yeah, which is where we would get uh, Thursday and Friday from, right? <clears throat> Thor and Freya. Um, that's F R E Y A. So Freya, Freya. The Slavic peoples had a coherent mythology as well, one that was driven underground and eradicated by the church, and especially under the banner of St. Cyril, Cyril and St. Methodius, the evangelists. Some would say, quote, colonizer, and a quote, of Eastern Europe. Later, European Christians would be influenced by the Crusades and most notably by the Order of the Knights of Templar and Order of uh, Milton Monks who had taken three vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Sounds an awful lot like the, um, Jesuits, the Jesuits of today. And had many contacts with Islamic clerics and members of the Middle Eastern sects. These contacts and their 
legendary ability to at banking and money lending led to their eventual being suppressed by the church and the state in the 14th century when they were accused of worshiping a devilish idol with the name of Baphomet and of trampling on the cross during their initiation ceremonies. The influence of the Templars did not disappear, however, but continued to grow, and it is said provided that the inspiration for creation of the Masonic Order a few centuries later, as the Templars were considered to be enemies of the Church, though they had taken oaths to defend it and did so gallantly in the Holy Land, so too were the Freemasons considered hostile to the Church, leading to several papal pronouncements against them. It is this nexus of secret societies and the Church that provided a fertile soil for books like Holy Blood, Holy Grail, the uh, Da Vinci Code, but we are getting ahead of, of the story. What we know about the natives, native people of Europe and their gods prior to the arrival of Christianity was that the usefulness of any pagan priesthood was directly related to its ability to protect its tribe, and that meant everything from healing the sick to predicting harvests, to summoning the gods, to ensure victory in battle. The relationship of humans to their gods uh, was an interdependent one. The gods were just as interested in seeing their worshiping thrive as the worshipers were serious in their sacrifices and incantations, which the coming of the church, the emphasis shifted from a relationship that was mutually dependent to one to one in which the people were wholly dependent upon and in a kind of servitude to God. This new God made no promises except that relatively ambitious one of eternal life in the hereafter. His symbol was the crucifixion, a body torn and bloody and hanging on the cross. To the more cynical of the Europeans, this was probably as good a God as one could hope for in a world gone mad with plague, war, and famine, a God that promised existence would be better after death. It also explained a great deal the world was a mess because people had ignored the one true God. After all, what had the worship of pagan gods actually provided except more the same, the nagging suspicion the inherent paranoia that the church provided in the form of such concepts of original sin, venial and mortal sin, and the sacrament of confusion, or of confession, excuse me, in which one revealed one's most intimate misdeeds to a hopeful anonymous priest, contr- um, 
contributed to an increased sense of servitude among the population. But in the villages along the country highway, among the farmers and herders and peasants, the old ways died hard. These were the people of the countryside, the paganists in Latin, word from which we get the term pagan. While the worship of a relatively... A, if it's... I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. Efficient. You know what? I'm an American, too, so you can't blame it on the fact that I'm some kind of foreigner. I'm just stupid, that's all. Effete, a person, effete, a a person affected, over-refined, ineffectual. So, relatively effete, an intellectual God caught caught on in the Cities and urban areas where worship of war of warrior deities like Thor would have been awkward and inappropriate due to the density of the population, its reliance not on the spoils of war but on trade, commerce, and contracts. The worship of gods of the hunt, the crops, of fertility of war continued. Apace the in the paganists. In addition, the Catholic Church itself had both political and economic power granted to it initially by the Emperor Constantine in the fourth century AD and expanded and developed ever since. A centralized power, the Church imitated the Roman Empire. Empire even down to its official language, Latin, the tongue of the legions that had subdued most of um, Europe during the time of the Caesars. Thus, in the first millennial AD, there was some resistance to new religion, and this resistance increased Exponentially, and to especially the further the people were from the church power base in Rome. <clears throat> yeah, seems to be an explanation of colonization itself. Yeah. To counteract the psychological resistance of the world pagans, the church took over pagan shrines, built churches in their place, thereby having the best of both worlds. The pagans continued to worship at the ancient sites, but had to pass through the heavy bronze doors of the Catholic cathedrals to do so. In addition, the pagan calendar was largely co-opted for use by the church. Ancient European holidays such as Samhain and Saturnalia became respectively 
Halloween and Christmas. The fertility festivals of Balran, uh, April 30th, became the eve of the Feast of the Virgin Mary. The pagans still held on to Beltane. Did I say that earlier? Well, oh, it is Beltane. It's not Beltane. So the fertility, the fertility festival of Beltane on April 30th became the eve of the Feast of the Virgin Mary. They still held on to Beltane as their own. However, it became famous to readers of Braun Stoker's Dracula as, <clears throat> and I won't be able to say this, the wall purges notch the night which witches gathered at the top of the Mount Broken in Germany to hold their blasphemous rites. The maypole, traditionally phallic symbol of fertility, is still in Europe on this holiday. Huh, the maypole, which is probably where we get the pole dancing, do you think? I want to see this real fast, maypole. Yeah, it's a big giant pole, like a pole dancer. <laughs> That's where they get their pole, pole dancing from, isn't it? For the maypole. <clears throat> Nothing changed. You know, everything's the same, just variants of the same old thing. So, they, um, where were we used? So, the phallic symbol of fertility, the maypole, the pole dancer's pole, is still in use in Europe of this holiday. Uh, and um, the parish priest was himself co-opted into this program of conversion through imitation. For a priest to be successful in the early days of the Catholic conquest of Europe, he had to be either powerful with an army on his side or popular. The parish priest in a small town was far from his power base he had to rely on the good offices of his congregation to survive. <clears throat> now we see where also when it comes to this whole idea of the uh, ends justify the means and the big people pleaser to please all men, you know. So as we see all these uh, uh, Jesuits who write their more than Roman Catholic. A lot of them are Jewish rabbis, and so a lot of them are uh, uh, pagan high priests and Satanists and Eastern Orthodox priests and also and Buddhist priests, etc. They play these roles in order to infiltrate. They've had thousands of years to figure this out, so it's a brilliant strategy. It's the best way of going about it, isn't it? It's, uh, And when acquiring powers to dissimulate yourself. But ultimately, in the background, always that you serve a different master. From his power base, he held to rely on, okay, what the congregation demanded from him was more than a celebration of daily mass. What they needed was his intercession with the divine powers. This was especially true in the days before the appearance of the printing press and scriptures 
in the vernacular before Luther and before Gutenberg, his famous Bible, there was no way a peasant in a village in France or Germany, for instance, could read the Word of God. Peasants were totally at the mercy of the priest for their interpretation of Scripture. They were largely illiterate, and even if they could read their own language, most probably had no working knowledge of Latin, much less Greek and Hebrew. This is our big problem today still, folks, as quote-unquote followers of Jesus Christ are Jewish, Jews, or whoever it may be, we have an ignorance of these three languages. And therefore, it's so easy to manipulate the scripture. I don't think anything's really changed. It's just a different uh, group of men. The priestcraft. Priestcraft, priestcraft, priestcraft. I can't say that word for the life of me. Books were viewed with suspicion or superstition, the Bible as the physical manifestation of the Word of God was held in awe and reverence, like some kind of icon or talisman. The men and women who could open the book and read from it was obviously possessed with uh, of power, of powers beyond those of the average woodcutter and sh- a sheep herder. Thus, the person of the Catholic priest became identified with a whole range of superstitions surrounding literacy, knowledge of uh, foreign languages, uh, allegiances to the mysterious high priest in Rome, and the exorcism of evil spirits. Demonic possession is one of those ancient phenomena that persists to the present day. The ability of a priest to cast out a demon from a possessed person was usually taken to be evidence of priest's holiness and spiritual power. Just so, the ability of a priest to summon a demon with uh, antithetical to the entire body of Catholic law and theology was taken for granted. Most infamous case was that, of course, of Urbane Grandier and the possessed nuns of the French town of Loudon, made popular in Atlas Huxley's masterful retelling of the tale in The Devils of Loudon. In the year 1835, Four grandeur was convicted of the crime of magic and held responsible for the demonic possession of nuns. An arrogant and licentious man, disliked by his parishioners, grandeur was suspected of having seduced more than one woman, married and single, and this suspicion extended to his relationships with the Ursuline nuns of Loden, <laughs> which my son's mother ended up graduating from St. Ursula <clears throat> High School. They used to have all sorts of names for the girls there. <clears throat> they probably go along with this story. Uh, so demonic possessions, uh, the priors 
uh, the convent herself was possessed by several demons at a time, including some of the more famous Bahamoth, uh, Levi, Athnan, Balaam, and uh, Isaacaron. Okay. One of the items included of evidence against grandeur still exists at the at the Bibliothec National in Paris, a treasure house of occult manuscripts and documents that pack grand, grandeur signed with the devil written in his own blood. It was left up to the saintly Jesuit father, Surin sent to Loudon by the Catholic Richie Lu after other exorcists had failed. He continued the rites of exorcism for more than three years until every demon had been ejected from every possessed nun. A clue to the ability of exorcists to remove demons may be found in this very celebrated case. For according to Father Surin, the demons he exercised were fallen angels, cherubims, seraphims, and thrones, who had accompanied Lucifer in his expulsion from heaven. Thus they were angelic beings once and presumably still subject to the law of heaven. Accordingly to a Judeo-Christian tradition, humans occupy a place in the celestial hierarchy above that of angels. One of the reasons of Lucifer's revolt was the creation of Adam and Eve and his, and his, and his newly subordinate position to these mere mortals. A more recent and considerably nobler case is the St. John uh, Vianney of 1786 to 1859, the cure of Ars in France. A slow student who had to take his seminary exam several times, he nonetheless became the model for Catholic priest and is known in the church as the patron saint of priests. During his career, he suffered numerous assaults by demons and evil spirits and developed a reputation for holiness and for his ability as an exorcist. His status in the church calendar has been overhauled in recent years as Incidents of demonic possession are clearly on the rise. The priests with less noble approaches to subject demons, however, also proliferate throughout the church history. A few years before the outbreak of possessions in Loden, a similar case took place in the town of uh, Aix in Providence in France at another Ursuline convent. In the year 1610, a young novice, uh, Madeleine D. 
de la Palude, Palude, yes, entered the convent and befriended another man, another nun, Louise Capio. In, in short order, Madeline became possessed, subject to fits, and this state became contagious to the point that Laos Capoon also became possessed. Eventually, the two nuns revealed that they had been subject to spells cast by a Catholic priest by the name of Louis Gadfordy, uh, said to be the head of all the magicians of Europe as far as Turkey. Madeline revealed that she had been initiated into a coven of sorcerers and witches by Gadfordy when she was still a child. This astonishing information was only the beginning as Madeline gave many detailed descriptions of the actions of the cult. Eventually, Father Gadfordy was himself arrested and eventually admitted that he had come into possession of cult books left to him by his uncle and was tempted to try them out. When he did, he found himself face-to-face with demons who instructed him in all the mysteries of magic. He used his magic powers to seduce women and to introduce them to the cult and marry them to demons such as Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. According to Gadfordy, his cult consisted of three levels and degrees that of novice, witches, and magicians. Somebody else had three degrees starting out. <clears throat> the highest degree. Eventually, after the Inquisitors had all the information they could use from him, they had Gadfordy burned at the stake. <laughs> Sixty years later, in Paris, he, they, we, had, we are confronted by the even gray, greater monstrosity, that of uh, Abby uh, Guber, Guber, Guberg and his colleagues, the partners in crime with Catherine uh, de Hayes Monvosen, known more, more popularly as La Voisin, Voisin, La Voisin. This scandal involved human sacrifice, blacks, masses, poison, and murder of infants. Rocked France during the reign of Louis the uh, looks like the Fourteenth, the Sun King. Most of what we know about Guberg, Guberg, I guess it's pronouncing Guiberg, Guiberg. I guess it's Guiberg, uh, the priest at the center of the scandal, and his satanic existence or satanic excesses can be gleaned from the interrogation archives still held at the Bibliothèque de l'Arsenal, the Bibliothèque Nationale uh, in Paris. Uh, the La Voisin affair involved Madame de Montespan, 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 the mistress of the king Louis the Fourteenth, who was afraid she would lose 
the king's love and attention. Driven to distraction, she consulted the famous La Voisin, a sorceress and fortune teller, who told her that the Black Mass had to be performed on the uh, Monte Monte Pans naked body. Monte Pans. Monte's Pans. I don't know how to pronounce I, I could barely speak English, let alone frickin' French. Several of these masses were performed, and the priest in charge was one Etni, I guess it's Guberg, Guyberg, a man about 67 years. He had been chosen to replace another priest, Abbey Mariette who had been performing these rites for La Voisin until he found himself in prison for sacrilege and then went into self-imposed exile abroad. And Guyberg eventually would perform black masses and the hundreds, according to the trial records, and during these masses, infants were sacrificed. At time, he was assisted by other priests, the Abbey Devout and the Abbey Gaynard, the Gignard, and Abbey Surat, among many others, including Bishop Guy Lefranc. So it's Guy Lefranc. I guess it's Guy Lefranc. I have no idea how to pronounce these people. For a total of some 50 Catholic clergymen who were finally ex- executed for sacrilege, sorcery, and blasphemy over the fair. Once the news of this operation finally reached the authorities, a large scale crackdown took place during which more than a hundred other persons, noblemen, and commoners were arrested. Over 30 commoners executed, the nobles generally escaping the death sentence. I imagine the Jesuits had a lot to do with this. The actual invocation used by Abbey Guyberg during the masses is still in existence and preserved in French archives. Astra Asmodeus, priest of the friendship. I can't read you know, I can read all this. Anyway, <clears throat> I feel good about reading it. So, another incarnation. This one is specifically for Madame de Montespan. I read the following, and I'm not going to read that mass either. I particularly want to be conjuring up the spirits for myself. Do you think? The notion that not worth entertaining, really. According to La Voisin herself, several thousand infants were slaughtered this way, and this admission was supported by Geinberg's own account, which matched La Voisin's in many specific details. Why they would have given such astronomical a number. Uh, astronomer is unknown, but the court accepted it as at face value, particularly as the f- 
furnace in which she burned burned the bodies was discovered containing numerous fragments of human bones. They also discovered that the chamber that the chamber that was used for the performance of the black mass replete with altar black drapery with a white cross emblazoned on it, black candles and a mattress under the altar covers. Geoberg's performed these, or I don't know, Geoberg, or I don't know, I don't know his name. I'm going to say Geoberg's performed these masses over the naked bodies of the women who came to him for these favors, bearing that he would bring in prostitutes to serve as the altars in these rites. The infant was slain over the woman and the blood collected in the chalice. Well, that's <clears throat> terrible. I just think that anybody would do that. What kind of a woman is that? Not much of a woman, is it? According to the, the archives, some of these rites were even more complex and involved the collection of human semen and menstrual blood out of which cakes were made Oh, really, with the addition of bats, blood, and flour. It is not believed that these cakes were somehow introduced into the diet of the king. An interesting survival of this recipe occurs in the Gnostic Mass of Aleister Crowley, discussed on page 56. We're 19 pages away from the reader will forgive me for not giving more complete details of the black mass performed by this heretic priest as they are quite abominable and involve every kind of dis- desecration of the host, profanation of the mysteries of the mass, and mutilation of the infant victims. The horrors penetrated by La Voicing and her eager accomplice, Guyberg, are ma- matched only by such modern cases as that of Jeffrey Dahmer, for instance. They also illustrate how far people will go in order to change their reality. And how there will always be a priest available to use the sacrament as the mass for blasphemous, heretical, even diabolical and and hideous uh, purposes. Oddly, although La Voisin was executed in 1680, Abby Guybert seems to have escaped the attention of the executioners, as did Madame de Montespan herself, and I'm sure the Jesuits has something to do with that. Even though the poisoning of several competitors for the king's attention were laid at her door, she died in a convent in 1707. The fact stands out from the account 
and that the La Voice and the needed genuine Catholic priest to perform the Black Mass, although she was obviously involved in the occult as a business and made a fortune from uh, this distraught and disparate women, she was... I'm sorry, my eyesight's starting to go bad. I think I was doing that reading yesterday. Everything's blurry, so it's worse than usual. She was also a, uh, a believer. She was not a simple gypsy fortune teller, but had once lectured at the Sorbonne on the subject of astrology. She was well-known and well-connected at the court. If she had wanted to, she could have arranged for these horrible rites to have been performed by anyone. But she knew how necessary it was to have genuine priests performing the sacrilege in order to have that request occult power, the definition of the host, the circular wafer uh, at the concentrated consecrated consecrated during the Mass and turn into the body of Christ. And now we know why the lead singer of that band in the Paris, the Paris supposed attacks was something of the something of the metal death man, whatever it is. You know, that's what he did. You know, she claims he became a, a, a a uh, Catholic priest before all this, this sacrifice, blood sacrifice. I wouldn't be surprised that actually people did die. It was blood sacrifice. It's Paris. <laughs> it probably did happen. Only then they probably told us it wasn't made to make all this uh, scenario that it was some kind of concocted uh, uh, plan to, you know, attack a uh, false flag or whatever they call it. I can't remember what David Weiss is. is uh, he doesn't like comparing a uh, false flag. He likes to call them um, some other attack. So I can't think of anything right now. My eyes are not working very well. I think it's Brian should quit here pretty soon. So, so the pre- okay, only to be done by a priest more than anything else. The case of Allah Voicing and her sacerdotal. Uh, uh, um, Accomplices like Abby Uberg illustrates the belief that supernatural power, supernatural power of priests and their authority over the spiritual and the angelic and demonic realm. And it certainly seems to be that way, folks, because they show up wherever they go. you got the Jesuit priest, but all the other nun, uh, monkish orders. They show up, start poisoning the people literally and figuratively, spiritually, and then comes into the army. So, and certainly is the priest class, the bishopric of Rome has allowed them to be able to conquer the world, so what, can, what else can one conclude? So, pulse flag operations, and then you got most of the other one. I can't think of that. I've talked about it numerous times. Anyways, <clears throat> Uh, something about uh, active shooter or something. Uh, active shooter. Um. Anyways, so 
I'm kind of let's see if I check one more thing. I'm going to end this recording. I hope you're getting something out of it. Once again, the book is um, um, Papal Magic and the Occult Practices of the Catholic Church by Simon. And uh, although he's not a Christian, he certainly has uh, delved into a, in areas where the average Christian wouldn't think of doing. But I think it's a good idea to do that, to recognize the degree of corruption that's gone on in our religion, our church, our faith. Uh, not that, that we should just be. Uh, well, this guy's talking, I guess, about Twilight Zone. I guess that's on television or somewhere. Uh, so Keith and and the boys over there at uh, thinkarebeaten.com are sending me emails about that. But I don't have television, so why not? It's not really something's going to happen with me. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to watch television with my son. So, And we'll see about this one. Let's see about this insult. I love Facebook. You know what I love about YouTube and Facebook? You try to sync, bring up anything, you just get it. Yeah, oh, it's all about the light. So anyways, this whole thing that a lot of people, this one person, I uh, said, and this is talking about this, uh, going into space and all that, and I can't see the stars, and he's using the, the usual thing. Uh, you must learn how light works. It has a lot to do with how much light the camera can intake. If the sun is up in the sky, then the light from the sun will overpower the stars while space, the sun is always up. So there go your chances of seeing the stars. Likewise, it does not take much to outshine the stars from a distance. And, and for example, you can't see the stars from the busy streets of New York City without looking through the filter. Well, it's a valid argument except for one thing. Uh, I would presume that the Earth being closer to the moon, we should see it as we see it, see the moon. However, since both the moon and the Earth cast light, then it should be brighter than the stars. Again, you won't be able to see the stars without the filters. <laughs> that also explains why we don't see stars on the ISIS. So, on rare case occurrences, and 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 not to mistake, dust, uh, dead pixels of the camera lens um, sensors for stars, like Erica has done in his flat Earth vehicle. With that said. Just a little bit of knowledge could go a long ways. I appreciate your comments. Appreciate your comments. Comments. But don't buy it. But don't buy it. No. No. 
But don't buy it. But thanks. But don't buy it. But don't buy it, and I don't buy it. So, but don't buy it. So, anyways, yeah, this whole thing about the flat Earth and going in space and seeing the stars and this whole thing about the sun being so gigantic that it blocks out everything in the world and the universe and the solar system and ah, I did it again. I think it's getting caught in this wire. <clears throat> so, yeah, we really are... Uh, I found my son's elephant. Cool. Um I don't buy a lot of things these days, so I know that might be too cynical and not very healthy, but you know what? Um, it's just more religion, it's my opinion. It's just more faith-based nonsense. And, uh, you know, it's 2015. I want some better proof than that. I want some better proof than the fact that the Earth, you know, that you can't see uh, the stars from the moon and you can't see the Earth from the moon... Or you, you can't see the stars. Come on. Really? Everybody, I mean, I, if anybody believes that we went to the moon on a rust bucket back in the 18, uh, 1960, whatever, 8, 9, whatever it was, you're full crap. You're, you're delusional. I mean, just think about it. Think it through. I mean, there's no way we ever went to the moon or can go to the moon. In fact, they say they can't. And it just goes on and on. It's ridiculous. But, you know, if someone gives me some evidence, I mean, I, I, it's it's not like a belief that I have that I cherish so much that it would kill me if uh, I was proven, Mike Adams, you're wrong. They're really, uh, we really can go to space. And uh, the Earth really is round. And you prove it to me 100%. I mean, I'll let it go. It's, it's stuff that's it really should be uh, self-evident at this point. No, no contradictions whatsoever. It's 2015. It should be so self-evident. It should be as self-evident as the coffee mug I'm looking at right now and the coffee I'm drinking. I feel it that way. It should be. You've had 70... Actually, you've had thousands of years to figure this out. Anyways... Something is just not being told that's true. So I'm done with this one. We'll see where we at. Okay. Um, the priestly authority over demons and angels will do next. And uh, I need to just do some moving around, stretch, and maybe lay down a little bit. So shoulders hurt. And doing this really hurts my shoulders a lot. So I think a lot of it has to be position and also the fact that. Fat. So, geez. Uh, just a year ago, I was a handsome, thin man, and now I'm fat. So, anyways, got listening.